Welcome to LongTrailPodcast.com, a new series of podcasts about Vermont's Long Trail, the oldest long-distance hiking trail in the United States. This is Tumble, and my husband, who is also my hiking partner, is Ruff. Today we are in Wyandotte, Michigan, and our guest is Ted Lennox. Ted had never hiked before and had no idea what to expect when he headed to Vermont for a hiking and backpacking adventure with his grandson and his friends, Ruff and Tumble. Ted, um, give us some idea as to how you got interested in hiking and why you decided to hike the Long Trail. Well, first of all, my concept of the of the Long Trail was that it'd be a flat, smooth path walking from one end of Vermont to the other. I had no concept of trees, rocks, mountains, stumps. I, I, I just was so amazed when I got there how my concept was so different. But I got interested because my grandson Dave was six years old, and I emphasize the word only six. He got a tape of the book written by Bill Irwin called Blind Courage, and he listened to that. He listened to the whole thing, and he was charmed by it, and he wanted me, his granddad, to hear it. So we listened together, and that led to, wow, wouldn't that be fun to do sometime? Because he wanted to do that, and then I have known my friends, oh, 20-odd years now, and they are avid long trail hikers, and so the pieces all flowed together so wonderfully, and it led to what, what for me was a, an amazing and wonderful experience. And can you tell us a little bit about uh, what it was like to hike? I mean, how did you actually do this? Since you couldn't see anything, how did you, how did you accomplish this? Well, my concepts were so different. I mean, what a stunning experience it was. I had anticipated uh, uh, walking down like a dirt road and, you know, just walking down this dirt path, firm dirt, and just very, very easy, just hiking, you know. And I had this picture of be be a, a line of trees on the left and right, and I'd walk down the middle of this path or road. And then we got out there, and all of a sudden I'm experiencing some very exciting positive, challenging experiences, uh, climbing, going up and down, stepping on rocks, stepping on uh, roots, and having tree branches sort of brush my head or uh, occasionally rough and tumble, say, you better duck because here comes a branch that's pretty low and I would have to duck under that, and, and, and just stepping on all these different terrains and different levels of terrain was so challenging in a very exciting way for me. I never expected that. The auditory part, listening to not only the birds, which was interesting in itself, but the various atmospheric sounds when there were trees on either side of me and I could, you know, the sounds, the acoustics were very different as opposed to when there were trees on my left and there was like a, a dip or a valley uh, going down on my right and it was more open. The change in the environment acoustically was uh, enjoyable because it kept changing all the time, you know. And if there were trees overhead, that, is, that affected the sound and dramatically. So the sound was good. But beyond that, 
was the the movement of walking and climbing and so forth. And sometimes I'd, there'd be a big rock to go over or to go around. There'd be a root across the path to climb over again. Like a tree or, stump? Or, yeah, tree stump, yeah. It's stump sticking out. Or there'd be trees up above me. Sometimes the branches would be hanging down, and, and I, I used to enjoy this. Brush under the tree and under the branch with the leaves, and that was, to me, that was aesthetically fun to have a tree branch with the leaves brush my hair and my head. Or, and then there would be times when we would come up a path or down, and there'd be a big branch across the walkway, across the path, and rough or tumble would would say to me, okay, you better duck because here comes a big branch. And so I would duck under there. Again, all that movement with my, and I'll, I'll emphasize my feet first, was very interesting. And I found it very, and I, I use the word challenging. And a lot of times that is meant, people interpret that word as a negative word, like what a challenge that was. Well, I'm using it in a very positive, what a challenging, exciting experience it was to every step was an adventure, and which I loved immensely. Well, anyway, so we, I've mentioned about the sounds and the atmosphere that, you know, the, the acoustics and so forth, and then I've talked about the uh, tree roots and the uh, logs and the stones and the bricks. Uh, boulders and so forth, and then there was the the pure body movement of balance. You had to continually adapt to the trail. And again, my preconception was everything would just be walking like walking down a sidewalk or something. I had a tremendous change in my conception of what the long trail was like and what the, the exciting challenge that this you know involved. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about the mechanics of how you were guided through the woods and what type of equipment or tools you used to follow this long and hard trail. Yeah, I'm happy that you asked me about that because prior to doing this, rough and tumble, I think, put a a considerable thought into what would be the most efficient and meaningful and enjoyable way for me to travel safely and happily through all of this trail with the ups and downs and all and all that sort of thing and so what we we did some experimenting prior to going out and you know staying overnight and so forth what happened was i had two uh, hiking poles which for somehow we had the right right length so in effect i had four legs that i used my two legs and two hiking poles and I don't know that I could have really managed with without the hiking poles so, because I could maintain my balance. If I felt myself being swayed to the right, let's say, my pole, I had, a, I had my right leg, which I used, but I also had my other, my additional leg, the hiking pole on the right, and I just put that down in the ground, and that would give me balance. And those hiking poles were extremely valuable in terms of helping me be mobile through all the different terrains that I had to go through. Were they also, did they also provide you any sensory feedback? Oh, yes they did. Well, they were like additional feet. Every time I would put the pole down, 
I would get feedback as to what the terrain was. Was I, you know, was it up eight inches and say on a tree root or 12 inches on a new rock or something? So it was almost like two additional feet. Now the difference was the feedback came up the pole and th- into my hands. In other words, it, when when I was walking and put putting my feet down, my feet gave me information just directly through my nerves and up up to my brain but with the poles the information came from the pole itself to my arms and to my hand and arms and then I interpreted that with my mind so a little different type of way of interpreting communicating with the ground but oh yes I got tremendous feedback so in terms of balance in terms of safety, and in terms of knowing what I was doing. Those hiking poles were extremely valuable to me. And and in terms of, again, enjoying myself because I got more information. And they helped take some of the pressure off your knees and hips and when you were hiking. Uh, they made a, little, made a little less stress physically. I hadn't thought of that before, but you make a good point. Because I had the hiking poles... My mind did not have to be as totally involved in my movement as as it might have been had I not had the poles, which allowed me to enjoy my environment, which allowed me to listen for what was around, the acoustics, the animals, the birds, and to talk to my fellow trail travelers. Now, can you tell us um, what your fellow trail travelers uh rough and tumble, rough and tumble uh, right. how we how you stayed on the trail what type of of support did you have to know where the trail was going and how that worked out for others who may want to also hike what type of support you found valuable well it was very for the the information i got was very helpful although rough and tumble traded places and so forth say that rough was in front of me and tumble was in back of me, Ruff would would give me information about what was coming. Uh, If there was a big rock, for instance, he would say, okay, right ahead of me, and when he would say that, I would know about where it was located. Is you know a big rock? It goes all the way across the path. You probably want to step on it or over it. What whatever whatever was safest uh, is what Ruff would say. And tumble was behind me in many cases, and she would tell me. Uh, oh, a lot of times she would expand on the environment of what was there as far as trees on the left or branches overhead. And between the two of them, they were able to fill in things ahead of time that I only would know by direct experience so that I could prepare myself for what was immediately ahead, which I couldn't do because I couldn't see what was ahead. And so their advice and guidance was just very helpful. And then there was my 11-year-old grandson who one of the rules that Rough and Tumble had was that he must not get out of sight. And so he obeyed that very well. <laughs> but he was always way ahead of us. <laughs> it was like he was a hiker all by himself. And I always had to smile and laugh at that. What were some of your favorite parts of the trail that you encountered? I, I do know that you ended up fording 
a couple of streams there, but there were other. Oh. What, what were some of your favorite experiences on the trail? Well, first of all, the sheer challenge of climbing. I've never climbed a mountain before, you know, let alone just a general mountain. So that in itself was amazing. And coming down, I was stunned because I thought climbing would be the most challenging and the most, uh, I'll use the word difficult. I don't like to use words like difficult because difficult in the sense that it took effort and energy. But I thought climbing would be the most challenging in terms of of getting up and and keeping my balance and so forth much to my amazement it was much more challenging going down than climbing up and in the week that i was out on the trail and and i wasn't out of a continuous week we took some day trips and so forth uh, mostly to practice and (laughs) I counted them because I was interested, and and I hope you can appreciate, hope people can appreciate what I'm going to say now. I only fell 12 times, but the part that amazed me was I never fell going up. All 12 times was when we were going down the mountain. That amazed me, and the interesting part was you might, you know, someone might think, oh my gosh, that sounds horrible. Well, I had this wonderful backpack, and if I lost my balance, I, I, I always fell backwards, and I just landed on my backpack, which kept me, what, maybe 10, 12 inches above the ground, and it was so easy to get right back up. I mean, it was like landing on a cushion, and so it was a pleasure, actually, to fall, and it was not a problem, but the part that amazed me was going down that is where I lost my balance and not climbing up. One of the things that I enjoyed immensely, a couple of times we got to streams that we had to cross, not a couple of times, many times. Uh, one of the ways that we crossed them was, and this was this was fun too, we stepped out on stones. You, you know, you, let's say that I'm, I'm just going to make a, up a, a thing here, but we would we would cross the stream. Let's say it was four feet wide, and so we would step from the bank out onto a stone, and then step again to another stone. And all you know, bear in mind this is over a stream, and then step onto the the other bank. That was challenging, and rough and tumble were very important there because. They, they could give me an idea of where the stones were, how far to step, and so forth. And again, I used my ski poles to find the, where the stone was, so I knew where I was putting my feet, as opposed to stepping in the cold, uh, running water. That was one way we managed to get across. The second way was, I mean, for me, this was fun. And I have to be honest, my grandson David <laughs> and and Ruff... Uh, they they did stones, but Tumble and I took our shoes off, and we we waded across these a couple of several times across the streams. And I don't know, I found that although the water was cold and everything, I found it a lot of fun to get my feet in the water and walk across. And I was always glad that we did that because then on the other side I felt a, a, a sense of refreshment, and I guess aesthetically it was a treat to do that you know to wade through the stream with my shoes off and then put my shoes back on and away we'd go so crossing the streams was a, a, 
a treat for me that added variety to what we were doing. And so that was that was a special part of the of the hiking. Could you talk a little bit about the equipment that you carried besides your poles? You had mentioned yeah. your backpack. What did you have in your pack? On we we arrived in Vermont on a, a Friday night. Saturday we did a, a day hike, and then Saturday night we we, we spent qu- a lot of time loading our backpacks and rough and tumble. We're very cautious about not making them too heavy and not taking so much stuff that we you know that we were over overloaded with weight so i had this backpack with well, i had a bladder for water and and some snacks in them and just things that we needed and things for uh, you know staying overnight and I, we had food in our backpacks but there was very carefully planned and we spent a wonderful evening preparing backpacks getting us ready for the trail so i had this wonderful backpack it weighed 22 pounds i think maybe when i started it was like 35 pounds and and that's that's not exactly true because i don't remember but we trimmed them trimmed our backpacks down uh, even david who perhaps knew more about this than i did we had to cut out a lot of his stuff that he w- would have probably taken so we trimmed those down and the backpacks fit very comfortably i enjoyed that part of it that i had my backpack and as i said when i fell it was so beautiful just to land on this beautiful cushion and just get up again and away I go. So the equipment I had was a wonderful pack on my back planned with great care to make life easy and interesting. And then I had my two hiking poles, which were so, so important. But the one thing I did, I listened to people's advice. Before I came, I went and bought a pair of hiking boots. And I really put a lot of thought into this. And I had there was a pair for $79 or and the other one was $140 and the question was what you know should I go be cheap and I, I don't I don't waste money so I was trying to be careful but people advised me if I was wise to get these $140 boots because they were waterproof and and, and very well put together and just the, the the hiking boots anyway I chose the $140 boots and they paid off tremendously they were comfortable they kept my feet warm and they kept my feet dry when and there were times when we were in great a lot of moisture a lot of water because we experienced a lot of rain and there were times when I stepped in water by mistake or maybe even I had to step in water so my hiking boots were extremely important but my feet were always comfortable and I'm so happy that I spent the extra money to get those hiking boots and so that was that was an important piece of equipment as well Probably had I known more, I probably should have had a, sh- a shirt that absorbed perspiration. I, I had a I had a T-shirt, and so, but I wasn't aware of. I mean, it was, again, I, I'm coming out of the city. I didn't know anything about all this. After I came back, I did get my uh, a T-shirt. I can't remember the name of the material that you buy, but it absorbs moisture and makes it much more comfortable. We advised you not to wear cotton, but to wear fabrics that wick the moisture away so you wouldn't be chilled in the evenings. Mm -hmm. 
Ted, can you tell us a little bit uh, about your camping experience? Oh, the uh, our overnights. Yes. Oh, yeah. Where you stayed and uh, oh, what that. your what it was like to stay in the woods. Yeah. Now that was a, an additional part of the experience that was to me totally enriching. I loved every minute of it. First of all, rough and tumble had hammocks that they slept in, which I bet was exciting and fun. But David and I had this this tent. It wasn't a huge tent. We slept side by side in this tent. And it was fun for me to be a part of, of I think the word is pitching. We pitched the tent, and that was fun for me to do all that. All this was so new that everything was a new experience and fun. I helped put the tent up, put the stakes in the ground, and, you know, all, all the things that are involved in putting a tent. And then uh, I had a sleeping bag that I slept in inside the tent with David. And that experience was, I wouldn't want to have missed that for anything in the world. Staying overnight like that was really great. I had thought, I, w- I had worried that, I mean, there I am sleeping on the hard ground. And I was worried that maybe I wouldn't sleep well. And therefore, I would be exhausted the next day. That that concerned me because I wanted to be rested and feel energetic. Well, I, I don't understand this, but I slept beautifully. I, I just slept so well. And I'll put this in, but I'm not sure I should. But for my particular situation at my age is that I have to get up in the middle of the night and uh, and go out into the woods and relieve my my empty my bladder, if I can say that. And... I, the one thing I would not, no way was I going to wake Ruff or Tumble or David to to go out in the woods with me. I don't want to disturb them in any way. And yet, when you're in that environment, there's no sidewalk leading back to the tent. I mean, all, all you got to do is, is step a little bit differently and you could be way I mean way lost and I'm serious about that at two in the morning I just I mean I didn't want to take a chance of getting lost because you went out in the woods I went out about 40 or 50 feet out be in the trees and behind trees so um, I think I think it was lit tumble I think it was tumble and I we put a pole in the ground out just outside the our tent and we took a, a string and just we tied it to the pole, and we ran it out into the woods. About I, I would say I went 40 or 50 feet. I don't think I'm overdoing that. And tied it to another tree. So in the middle of the night, when I mean this to me was exciting. I could get up and just put on a pair of shoes, quietly sneak out. Nobody knew I was going. I would follow this string out into the woods. I would take care of the business I was out there for. Turn around and come back take my shoes off, go right back to bed and go to sleep. And I mean that may that may seem oh sort of superfluous to some of you, but it was very important that I have that freedom and without disturbing anybody else and I and I was safe. So that was a very wonderful and simple. I mean it was so simple to do. Adjustment that allowed me the freedom to, you know, to do what I had to do in the the middle of the night. And I enjoyed sitting on a on a log at night, uh, talking. And we we had a little tiny stove, which I still can't believe. But we cooked dinner. And as far as I was concerned, 
being out there after hiking all day, uh, our meals were elegant meals. I mean, we really had wonderful meals. And it's not that we had uh, steak and everything, but we had prepared prepared all this, planned this ahead of time. And so what we had was very simple. But, oh, my goodness, how wonderful it was. It was, it was like eating in an elegant restaurant, you know. So that was a very important part of it too the cooking and the eating as i say this whole experience was so so new and so interesting to me ted could you talk about uh did you learn any lessons on the trail or through this hiking experience that uh would like to do the kind of hiking you did along the way we would meet different people I found that just a joy. Different people, different ages. Mostly when we stayed at night, we would stay by a lodge. We never slept in any of the lodges because we wanted to sleep on uh, out in the uh, on the ground and so forth. But we we sat in the lodge and talked to people and so forth. And I remember one time we spent the night with a whole group of college kids who uh, I forgot what university they were from, but they were they were uh, freshmen and kids, youngsters who who had done this before, and they were sophomores or juniors, and they were they were taking the freshmen with them and uh, traveling the long trail, and you know that was exciting to meet them and talk to them. One of the other things is we met a, I'll call him a ranger, I don't know what his real title was, but he was responsible for a certain segment of the trail to keep it in good shape. And what an interesting and enjoyable uh, gentleman he was. And we spent quite a bit of time in a lodge one morning, just chatting and talking. And I remember he made me, um, I, I like coffee in the morning, and he had coffee and made me this delicious cup of coffee and so forth. But I enjoyed the people who we had occasion to meet and talk to. And if we'd have been out there longer, I'm sure I would have met a lot more very interesting people. Ted, if you uh, had advice for other blind or visually impaired people who wanted to do what you did, what advice would you give them? Okay, well, uh, this is strictly from my experience, of course. I found the hiking poles to be so important. Now, I would like to try it again sometime just to see what the difference is without using hiking poles so that I could speak with a broader experience. For me, the hiking poles were very important for reasons I already mentioned, balance, information about the environment. But I, you know, I'd like to try it without the hiking poles, at least for an hour or two, to see personal experience what the difference was. My advice would be to use hiking poles, and because I think they enhance, they make it safer, and therefore, because you're safer, you can you can be more involved in the experience. And as I've already mentioned, you know, uh, you, you can be alert, aware, hearing what's going on. You don't have to be, your mind doesn't have to be totally on each, each step. You can be listening to the, to the world about you. You can be enjoying the trees and you can be talking as you go and so forth. So for me, the hiking poles were absolutely wonderful and I'm glad we did that. Now on occasion, I would take Ruffin's arm and we would walk, but that was very rare. First of all, the 
the paths are not that broad, that, not that wide, where two people can walk side by side. I'd have to check with rough and tumble. But I think most people, they walk singly, and they don't walk side by side because there's not enough room to do that. Uh, but occasionally we could do that, and I did it. But I found that you, you couldn't do that without a lot of oh, manipulation, and it would be very challenging to walk with somebody side by side. So having the freedom of walking by myself, but yet with others who... So I highly, at this point, would recommend the use of hiking poles and, and so forth. And I, I guess, and again, my boots were very important to me. I will never be sorry that I had them. Is there anything else you'd like to say about your experience? It, it certainly was an enriching and enjoyable experience. And again, I can't emphasize. I, I've read books, uh, and I won't name the name of the book. And sometimes the authors dwell upon how hard it is. And I'm, I'm not downgrading them in any way because it is a challenge physically, mentally, but not in a negative way. It's a very, very exciting experience. And so I would not use the word hard or difficult. I would use words like stimulating, challenging, exciting. But sometimes you read the books and they talk about the dangers and and I don't do I don't I'm again I'm not criticizing I'm just saying from my point of view uh and and I think you need to be aware of the the dangers and so forth so that you you know don't hurt yourself and don't cause yourself trouble but to me it was such a positive and enriching experience that I like to emphasize that because that's what was in my mind all the time we were out there you know and, and the social aspect of it was wonderful for me, too, sharing that with Rough and Tumble and with David. And David's name, I, should, I shouldn't use the name David. I should Moss Monkey. And if I can just insert my own personal name, I'd like to do that. Again, I never expected this, but and I, I like this. Uh, my, my trail name is Macho Man, M-A-C-H-O, and I'll leave it to you who are listening to what macho means, and I treasure that name. Thank you, Ted. This has been a presentation of longtrailpodcast.com. We hope you will return and enjoy future podcasts about Vermont's Long Trail. Until then, this is Tumble of Rough and Tumble, Long Trail End to End, 2003.